Movies entertain. Entertainment leads to emotions. Those emotions connect us to our enjoyment of film. And that is why we exist, to focus more on the emotional connection than the technical merit. Because every movie makes us feel something. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me here, as always, is my best friend and co-host, Patch. I, I hope, I hope it's Patch. <laughs> it's I'm me. not 100% sure how I Hang can... On. Hang on. Yeah, Look, let me see your ears. Okay. I've got ears. I'm good. I think, I think you're good. Maybe I need to see the back of your head just to be safe. I don't know. Well, there's no air there, but that's not because I'm... I'm a simp. I'm so just... you say. Yeah. That's exactly what an AI would say, Patch. Probably. That's probably true. <laughs> right. Well, that is the one thing we can assure you listeners that this, that this conversation is not brought to you by AI. So however good or bad it ends up being... You know, it's at least original, and we can right. be proud of that. <laughs> well, this was a film that I think we both had been looking forward to. Usually, science fiction is something that the two of us really enjoy. We like seeing new stories in the sci-fi world, whether it's small-scale, kind of more intimate, personal type of science fiction, like an Ex Machina type movie. Or whether it's, you know, large, epic, lasers and spaceships type of science fiction uh, and everything in between. So uh, we like digging into this kind of story and I'm excited to get a chance to talk about this one. So this is your spoiler warning. We are going to do that as we always do. And you've been warned. Go see this movie also. Before we get into this, no matter what you hear us, I, I guess... I shouldn't say what, no matter what you hear us say, because you've already seen the movie if you're continuing. So if you haven't tuned out yet and you haven't seen this movie, go see this movie on the big screen because it's worth it. It is a wonderful visual experience and worth spending your dollars on. That's my short take. But for the in-depth stuff. All right, Patrick, before we get into story, I want to talk about your general experience with this from like an aesthetic standpoint. So I just like, let's just put story completely to the side because I want to talk about it differently and separately. But as I was saying there, like for me, the thing that stood out about this movie the most was the experience. This was made on $80 million. I don't know if you were aware of that. Pretty shocking. I think when you see this movie and you're like, what compared to the $150 and $200 million or, you know, CGI movies that we've seen this summer. And we're like, wow, that looks like crap. And then we get something like this for $80 million. It's pretty insane. I really enjoyed everything about the world that was created here by Gareth Edwards and the cinematographer. Amazing, as always, Greg Fraser. Uh, how did you kind of respond to that? It was stunning. I think that was the word that came to mind to me when I was watching this whole aesthetic develop in these two hours. I absolutely loved the world building. I began to just question like different worlds, uh, different races of AI. And I thought the movie did a really great job of setting us up with this idea. What happened? Where are we now? Why did we get here? Very quick, very um, just simple. And I loved the visual effects. I loved the the immenseness 
of the military force. I love the different types of AI that we get. I love that it's not just one race or one type of AI, that it's generational. As we see in the the opening, like I guess the exposition that shows us how we got there. And that really kept me in the movie the whole time where I was just loving what I was seeing. I thought that it's a, it's a visual, I won't call it a spectacle because spectacle kind of gives it a little sense of like, there's no depth to it. There is. It's, it gave me a feeling of district nine, this idea that you have aliens among us or robots among us. And how does that, how does that work Uh, with a little bit more nuance, a little bit more like romance in the, in the sort of, theatrical sense, uh, very poetic to it, to an extent. It just, it felt more touching. It felt more just sensitive to what was going on. It didn't feel heavy handed like a district nine where you have just lots of grittiness and, and it's not supposed to. So it, it's appropriately toned to do that with robotic artificial intelligence, I think is a, is a phenomenal feat. And Gareth Edwards and his crew just did a great job with that. Yeah, I I agree. I think it just sets that whole stage for this world in a really interesting way because we get, like you said, the multiple versions of AI. That really stuck out to me, just the cool difference in design. I mean, we we kind of alluded to it there in our intro. I've never seen a robot that looked quite like this. There's this humanoid face that they wear that, that is scanned, so there can be multiple versions of the same looking face because I guess you like sell it or donate it or something when you die, <laughs> which <Yeah>. is wild. <laughs> but then they have that hole in the head that like spins where I guess their electronics and their artificial brains are. But then, like you said, you have n- normal robotics like we would be accustomed to as well. You have like, there's that quick shot that is you know, real Steel-esque in the early montage. I'm sure that you noticed that where they're like, the two robots that are punching each other that basically look like Chappie. You have that kind right. of robot. And then you have that really, really interesting one for me was the suicide bot. Yeah, I was incredibly impressed with the concept beside but behind the suicide bot. Because normally I'm thinking like trash can, I'm thinking like really fast, like an R2-D2. This thing is running like a human being. And it reminded me of Case from the uh, from Interstellar. These robots that articulate with things that are not really arms or legs, but they feel human because of the way that they articulate their, their parts. This one had arms and legs, and it looked like a trash can that was running. But the way it was running was not robotic. It was very much like Tom Cruise if he were a suicide bot. Like, this is... Essentially, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm theorizing that Tom Cruise stepped in, gave his <laughs> gave his his body there to uh, to do uh, motion capture, and now we have that. Yeah, motion capture. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. He's wearing all the dots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I was really impressed. I I liked even the um, I guess you would call it the standard AI that kind of looked a little bit like Johnny Five with the flat head and. I think that what Gareth Edwards did was intentional in that he tried to humanize, but not be very overt about it. So you would see specifically at the end when 
everything was kind of going down and you had the different pockets of AI villages and the different types of AI, but they'd be covered up with rope. So you can tell without telling a story that each one of these different races, each, each kind of generational or whatever you want to call them, was adopting some kind of culture around them, which is what AI traditionally does. It listens and looks and learns. And so it was really interesting to see some of these AI robots, some of these creatures who had monk uh, robes on and who would walk around, you know, with their hands clasped. And then you'd see them next to humans who you could definitely differentiate. But I think what Gareth Edwards was going for here, which is that it's not the thing that you're trying to parse out from a person. It's trying to incorporate this idea that the culture can create assimilation and the sense of like a cornucopia of all different types, which is, I mean, it's a general message that we get in the movie. Um, it's one that's at times a little heavy handed where you have humans and AI can live together. And I'm like, I'm not buying that just yet. So, <laughs> but I, but I like the concept. I think it was, it was told pretty well. What about the American military side? So I thought that looked really cool too. I definitely get the Rogue One vibes, both from a design standpoint and the parts where the movie is more gritty is, you know, when there are like major attacks happening and all of this weaponry is going off and explosions. And I think one thing that Gareth Edwards is just proven now to be really, really special at is getting the scale right for humans versus monsters. And I say monsters, well, he literally made a movie called Monsters, which is outstanding, by the way. If you guys have not seen Monsters, it's like a, I guess it's an indie film is what you would call it, but like it's pre him doing Godzilla. It's why he got the job to do Godzilla. And I think Monsters is fantastic. Um, but in Monsters and in Godzilla, and then in Rogue One, there is such an understanding of perspective with the humans on the ground and these big machines. And it just, I don't know how to express it well, Patrick, but like in some movies, it feels off and it feels generic and fake. And in these movies, it feels real. They don't feel overly large and comical. They just feel accurately large. And, you know, I think James Cameron does a good job with that too. The, the biggest machines in the American military arsenal reminded me of some of the ones that like tear down the forests in Avatar and Pandora. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's appropriately sized. You're, you're right. And I think Denis Villeneuve does the same thing in Arrival where he creates the enormity of the alien race as a way to show its power, as a way to show its force. And I thought, I thought the design of the Nomad was amazing. I love the fact that this thing can actually like scan entire it's in sections <laughs> of land. Like, what are you doing? I feel like it's a giant supermarket and it's like, I want this and I want that. I'm going to skip. Is this on sale? Is a new Asia on sale for us to blow up? So when we get introduced to the Nomad and we see its power, I knew at that point, man, you don't mess with this thing. It's going to become, it's going to become a focal point. Like it's the biggest arm of the U S military that, becomes the queen on the chessboard. 
what I didn't like was the fact that this felt a little kind of of a retread of like the Americans are bad and they wanted to st- I got avatar vibes honestly like <laughs> you have new asia and I think I don't remember who said it but someone says in the movie maybe it's the voiceover uh no it's it's I think it's Alice and Janney's character she says new asia doesn't they don't care about anything american they just want to be left alone and I'm like then why don't you just leave them alone what <laughs> <laughs> so she's definitely got I, Colonel Quaritch level of like she's she's t- doing it she's up to 11 like she is turned up and she is going for it in that yeah, crazy villainish mustache twirling kind of way yeah it's I love Allison Janney in almost everything that she's in she's always going to be my CJ Craig and I thought she's great in Juno and just she has a number of just fantastic Long roles waiting for the White House <laughs> Long way from the White House. <laughs> Definitely still political in some ways. But she came across as Calhoun, you know, Jane Lynch's character from Ralph Breaks the Internet, this sort of, you know, fe- feminist uh, kind of thing. But she does it. She's a strong woman. I mean, she is, she carries herself very well in the roles that she plays. But coming across as a military combatant didn't, I didn't, it didn't sell me. She never felt that way. And when I saw how she was setting, um, setting James, uh, excuse me, um, setting up uh, Joshua, uh, John David Washington's character, I said, oh, man, she's going to become a bad guy. I don't want C.J. Craig to become a bad guy, right? And I and I think where Gareth Edwards shines in his visual aesthetic, I think he pulls it back significantly in the story. Like, to me, this film really gave us this kind of higher budget TV movie feel that sets the stage for a TV series. That's never going to be, I really was thinking about, um, what was I thinking about? I was thinking about Battlestar Galactica, the reimagined series that you and I fell in love with and how it sets, it's set up with this two hour sort of TV movie that then bleeds into a TV series. And that's kind of how I felt when I left. I was like, this was good. For something else, because you set us up with a lot of different things. And while the story does have a good beginning, middle, and end, I never felt overall like I was in it. Like I never felt like I was connected to Joshua or to Alfie or to anybody that we're supposed to be connected to. Because, and maybe this is, you know, kind of the blessing and the curse of Gareth Edwards' visual style. I was really interested in everything else. I was interested in New Asia. I was interested in like, tell me about life leading up to the the warhead detonating like that that whole intro i was like wait can we go back because i kind of want to see how we got there and so there's there's intrigue there and i think that's the sci-fi part of the sci-fi story that i latched onto, which is i didn't get enough of that and so the story that you're telling me is more like okay i think i know what's going to happen i think i'm pretty sure that girl is his daughter in some weird way and sure enough that's that's what we get so I don't mind not being surprised, but when you're sort of impressing me with the visual aesthetic that you're giving me, I kind of expected that same on the narrative side. Okay. You're, yeah. So this is exactly what I have felt like as well. It, for me, it's, it is visually like stupendous and, and one of the best and most awesome things I've watched in a long time just from that perspective. I love the design and the look and the sound. Hans Zimmer's score can never go wrong with that. But I felt the narrative was lacking as well in detail, in depth. I thought the dialogue and the script were at times just downright like 
bad. Like took me out of some scenes because I was like, come on, man, what are we doing? What are you saying right now? This is not how we talk in a movie that is serious. <laughs> uh, and so, so there were some of those kind of problems for me as well. Uh, Joshua and Alfie. So we, we got, this is our second attempt, I will call it, at making John David Washington a blockbuster star. And I have long been in the camp that thinks that he was totally capable of that. I, I just thought he had the charisma and the acting chops, like his dad, to lead major high action kind of fair. I don't want to completely say I'm out on him at this point being able to do that, but I struggled to connect with him in that way in this movie. And I think, again, that the script, both here and in Tenet somewhat, because of the complicatedness of Tenet, like it doesn't necessarily do him any favors, but he just never rises above that material, and and I never see him and go action star. The the thing that I see in John David Washington that I love and latch onto is in the quieter moments, and is in the dramatics and the facial expressions and his relationship and his ability to emote. I like that stuff about his acting, and I like it when he can be a little bit silly and comedic. I think he's really good at like wittiness, like he is in Black Klansman, and. There's none of that in this movie. That that's not what this movie is. And so it it was it was like pretty much every father-daughter story that we've gotten. And there seemed to be a lot these days. And so it was hard for me not to just compare this to Joel and Ellie and be like, I needed more of like I was constantly wondering where is the sarcasm and where is that kind of little bit of a bite. And, and and snarkiness to the script, and it just it was never there, and I never felt sold on the the heavy nature of it. If that makes sense, yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with that. I wasn't really thinking Joel and Ellie were wanting that, even though you and I have recently uh, gone through the the last of season one. I think for him, what I wanted was connection, connection with her, connection with Alfie. He names her, and at some point. They have that it's callback like line. Dog, though. I mean, that is a pretty bad. It's like it's like your name is Spot because you got spots on you. So. Yeah, I mean, Obviously. it's like, right. And I think for him, we 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 establish that he he's a dad or a soon to be dad. Uh, we establish that he is in love, and I don't know if it's the length of time that we spend with that that it's not long enough. But I don't know that it was established as strongly as I wanted because immediately we're cut five years later. And that's when I think your Joel connection made sense. Like, oh, he lost his daughter and now, you know, he's living rubbishly in the the cleanup at ground zero. But it was very simplistic, like the story of him trying to reconnect with his wife. And it was a carrot which I kind of picked up pretty early on. It was difficult for me to make the connection to her being the creator, to her, because that's the thing. So what 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 hurt me was the movie felt uneven at times. Like you had the title card, the creator. I'm like, all right, we're in. And then you get to a point where then another title card pops up and it's the child. And I'm like, are we in an episode Chapters. of Mandalorian? Yeah. 
chapters, right? Care for that structure. I didn't. I didn't like that because now I'm like, okay, what am I looking at? Am I now trying to point out like the mother? Um, okay, well, I think you've basically spoiled the whole movie with these title cards: the creator, the child, the mother, <laughs> the you know, the annihilation, yeah, whatever comes up next, too. By the way, which is weird, but anyway, yeah, it's just it didn't really make sense because I didn't. Like, I almost felt like we were watching, we were meant to watch smaller stories inside these chapters. And I had a hard time connecting him with Alfie in terms of, I would never believe that she is a, an emotionally feeling thing. (laughs) She's not, she's not a human being. And again, maybe that's by design. But it wasn't a tension point for me. It really felt like a mistake. It felt like as he is getting to know her, he's protecting her. The moment that he talks to her through the 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 EMT, not EMT, but the um, the electromagnetic pulse, EMP. Thank you. The static and stuff. When he says, you know, not not off, just on standby. I, I just I felt like there were too many like things that popped in that tried to pay themselves off in small ways. And it just felt a little cheap. It didn't feel nuanced in the story. Like you have that and it pays itself off. You have a moment where he says, if I could just be with my wife for just one more minute, that would be fantastic. And she just happens to, when they're the nomad, find a replicant version of, not replicant, sorry, that's a different movie, but a a simulant version of his wife and she starts pulling her out and she he just happens to have the the memory card of her memory it just it was a little too convenient to tell this story and i get it again that's kind of the romance behind it i didn't i didn't dislike it in the sense that it wasn't intelligent it just didn't seem like it fit the same kind of grandiosity that the visual side of it was so I wanted elevation. I wanted you to not, not just give me kind of base level symbolism and base level themes. I mean, don't don't throw things at me in a way that I'm like, yep, I've seen this before. This is totally District 9. This is totally Avatar. This is, it felt like a piecemeal, like we're going to pull this and this and this. And then you attach like really impressive cinematic and you kind of leave me going, I don't know if I really like that. I kind of don't, but I kind of do. <laughs> so I can't really know if I can recommend this to people. Yeah, I I struggled the whole time because I felt like it was very much a Star Wars reskin in in so many ways. And like you said, it pulls from various things. But it, you know, knowing that Gareth Edwards has directed Rogue One and the way that you know you you this is in conversation with Rogue One. I mean, it is Rebels, uh, and so. There is a Death Star that is hunting down rebel bases and destroying them. There is a child that is very much Yoda-like in her wisdom who basically uses the Force. That is what her weapon power is. It's this unseen ability to control things (laughs) with her mind. And then there is the giant weapon and, and the Americans bring out when they go after that one base, those gigantic machines that come out of nowhere they're basically adats i mean that is the scale that we have from them they're the way that they use their weaponry and it was just a constant flow of these things that made me 
think about other movies as well. And 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 like you said, nothing in the narrative in the script elevated its specific topic about AI for me to do anything unique about humanity's relationship with AI. One of the things I really was had a problem with, to be honest with you, is that narration drop in the very opening that you talked about that is very interesting and like talking about like, oh, say, so we created AI and then they bombed, they nuked Los Angeles. And so now we're at war and we're trying to eradicate them. As far as I can remember, the only time it's brought up again is Ken Watanabe at one point says something like the humans made a coding error in the AI and that's why the AI attacked. But that's it. It's like one line drop, Patrick. And my issue was what I, what was interesting to me was not the same old song and dance of a, a dad and a, finding a daughter. Like, I mean, I guess I've seen that so many times, but what I wanted, okay, that's a hook that's interesting and unique because you have an AI perspective telling me it was a human error. You have a human perspective saying the computer attacked and destroyed millions of people in our city. I want more of that. I, I want to know more about the, the war and the, 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 you know, battle between the human mindset and the AI mindset. And then there's no resolution to any of this. It's just the over-the-top villain, like, we're going to kill you no matter what because you're a computer, and it's not killing you. It's just turning off an electronic because that's how Alice and Janney puts it over and over. And then you have the AI mindset of, like, but no, we never did anything to you intentionally, and we don't, we aren't part of that, but now we're being attacked, and we just want to coexist. Like, I don't know. I just didn't feel like we got into it. It was just so much. It was action and then solely focused on him trying to take down Nomad with Alfie that the bigger world problem. And so what? So you took down Nomad. It took him a decade to build it. Okay. Does that mean they're not going to keep trying to fight you for the next 10 years and just build another Nomad? I guess I didn't. I didn't understand yeah. what the end goal was for the story here. Yeah, and and a couple of things there that you you pointed out. One of the things I have an issue with is yes, there's not any resolution with that aspect of it, and it felt a little bit like when uh, Kim Watanabe's character Harun, as you mentioned, one thing interesting he says is, "You know what will happen when we win this war? Nothing." <laughs> that he says that. Nothing will happen because they don't care. They don't care about anything but defending their own life as AI. They're not going to go try to take over America. They're not going to try to become like the new United States. They're going to live as they are. Boom. But I don't really know what that... I was left kind of wondering, well, what's the resolution then? So you take down Nomad and you've got, you've got Alfie smiling... Well, the problem is still there. Alfie is going to grow up. She's going to, her wheels are going to get bigger, I think, as they say, and she's going to be able to essentially take control. So are we to assume that we're now on her side because pro AI Americans are bad. Now she has the freedom to grow up 
as this AI God. And she's now going to essentially take over the world and become like, this is the beginning of a TV show where you have without, without another side. Yeah. 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 And I think that that's, I mean, there's not enough there for me to be compelled to say, man, I can't wait to see what will never happen. I mean, I'm not, I wasn't intrigued enough to say I'm ready for that, but that's where it leaves us. It leaves us with, it leaves us with an incomplete thought that's not full of tension appropriately. So there are movies that set up sequels. There are TV shows that set up cliffhangers and they do so with intent. Like there is a, there's tension there, unresolved something. And I don't know if Gareth Edwards in writing this with Chris Weitz was thinking, we want to land the plane. We want to destroy this thing. And we want to articulate that Alfie's going to live happily ever after as the queen of the AI if that's the case, it's not not quite a good ending because I never felt like AI was really the good people. We're really the good people, or or humans you, for that matter. I was going to ask you who you were rooting for. I, I I didn't care either way. I mean, again, we were basically told don't. You know, we're we're basically told hate the Americans because they just want to kill people who aren't doing anything to them. And we get moments with dogs that are going to get shot, and I'm like, see, this isn't this isn't cool. Like you're, you're, you're intentionally setting us up to know who the bad guys are and the point of AI in, in movies and the tension that we feel in the real world is when is it too much? When is it, when does AI become the enemy? When do we get to a Skynet where the, the robots take over and potentially do what you just said, which is want to live in peace and it's not their fault that this happened. When do we get to that point where there's nuance to all that? This is this is kind of the problem I have is I don't like the mustache twirling villain. I don't like the the whitewashed good guy. Like I need I need blurred lines right. between like humans and Vietnam or or war on yeah. it's a war on terror yeah. analog. It's exactly you yeah. up the towers and now we're just gonna kill everybody who's of any Middle Eastern descent in retaliation. Exactly. Yeah. And so I I think that because I was basically told at the very beginning who to hate and who to like, going along for the ride wasn't interesting to me because it was speared by or spearheaded by Joshua and Alfie, whose relationship wasn't deep enough for me to care. If you had put Joel and Ellie in this situation and fleshed out their relationship over time, over a course of two hours or whatever, that would have kept my interest because they were interesting. And I think that's what I was lost with is I was never really interested in Joshua or Alfie in the relationship with each other, his relationship with his wife. I felt like he was just sort of a mercenary. Like he was sort of a pawn in all this. And he just so happened to get on nomad and do his thing. And so when he puts his hand on the, on the shaft there and he's like, I'll see you. I'm like, okay, yeah, you will. Cause I mean, you really, you've done what you're going to do. But you won't. Um, even if you go to heaven or hell, like it's it's a computer, it's just being turned off. You're not gonna yeah. get it. That's exactly <laughs> it's ones and zeros. You know, like if you there's no yeah. spiritual way for you to interact. Yeah, that was it was weird, and and I also found it <laughs> just timely in a funny way because the strike has been ongoing during while this movie was released, and it, of course it has just been ended for the writing side. But one of the biggest things that the 
the writers and the actors are fighting over is whether or not AI can be used to basically replace them or to scan the actors and be used by studios. And Disney was fighting for the right to be able to do that. And here is a movie that is essentially wholly pro AI. Like it's, it's, it's like, Hey, they're just like us. They're, they're just everyday people. That's the message that we get from the movie is that we're the bad guys for wanting to get rid of the computer and that destroyed our thing. And we don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> we don't want to have yeah. mistakes like that happen again. So uh, but, they yeah. can be controlled. And so yeah. I found it was just such a muddy message for me it, it, as compared to like, say it was an alien race. Like if it's an actual flesh and blood living race of aliens that you're interacting with or something, it's just different. It's just different. Unless you're a believer that the sentience of AI is equal to a soul. And this movie does nothing to dive into that in a deeper way or a more interesting way than than better movies have. Yeah, the concept of AI and all those things that you mentioned are too nuanced for a two-hour movie. Especially when the bulk of that- Especially an action-heavy one. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And- I, I, I'm notorious for going on with our conversations and say, this would make a better TV show than it would, because I like TV shows and original, and original series is kind of the, the byproduct of that. But it's true. We think about Cylons in Battlestar Galactica. The only reasons that we kind of appreciate Cylons for having the ability to be uh, somewhat empathetic by the time the series kind of really digs in, one of the reasons is because they have faces. They're humans. They're human looking. If you look at some of the intricate designs of the creator, I gravitate more towards emotionally, if there's anything, towards those that have actual faces. Like if you give me a robotic face and you destroy it, even if it moves like a human being, like that trash can bomb, I'm not going to feel sad when it explodes. Yeah, that's great. The Tom Cruise trash can bomb. That's what it is. I, I, okay, I'll, I'll, you want to be honest? I'm going to be honest real quick to stand. Okay. I felt more for the robot who very briefly questioned the reality that he was about to run out there and kill himself than I did for any of the humans in the or, or AI characters in this movie. But that, okay. there was like one perfect beat, I thought, in the script where I can't remember if it was the first or the second one, but one of them, th there's a moment where one of the two suicide bots kind of reflects and realizes what's about to happen and then goes. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah. I was like, that's interesting. <laughs> that's the, that's the character of case. That's, you know, it's, it's those when they can talk normally if they don't have faces and make those questions. I think he says something like, it's been a pleasure to serve. And he runs at full speed. <laughs> like it, it just runs programming. It's Johnny Five, right? But I, I, I look at the fact that the only real connection we can have, the only way that I was able to connect to any of these characters, is because they had faces. Like if, if, if Harun didn't have a face, even though he has his spinning wheels in his ears, I, that combined with his voice gives him a sense of humanity. But all these things are so complex. All these ideas about do does AI have a soul? If they can think for themselves, does that make, give them value? I mean, these are all great philosophical questions and they're 
they're worthy of coffee table conversations. They're worthy of Starbucks conversations. But they just don't do enough in the movie to cause me to ask those questions. It's like Gareth Edwards said, I love the concept of AI being against humans. Did you see Terminator 2? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so like, here's what I'm going to do. Go kills good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I think he attempts to try to create a humanized connectivity on a on an individual level with Joshua and Alfie. And that's where it fails. If you know, if if there's a way to connect those two emotionally, it allows us as an audience to resonate because we're Joshua, we're human. And we get to ask the question, what would it be like? If we saw a child watching TV that was AI, it's interesting. I think it would have been interesting more for me if I hadn't seen that in the trailer, because that's very different in the minds of the movie. Like all the AI are either robots or adults. That's another concept that was not fleshed out very well, where this child was created, and that seemed like it was the first and only child that has the ability to grow. And I think her her tunnels or whatever it is would grow and her power would grow. And it's, I don't know. We have no earthly idea anything about the AI because there's this scene, and this drove me batty. I'm sorry. This drove me so mad. I couldn't be specific about it, I don't think, in my spoiler-free review. So I wanted to saw it out. When Joshua takes her to his friend's house, right, and uh, the guy, the guy who is a former special ops Co-worker, whatever. Who gave him the and, ring. Who yeah, he went ring. native, and now he's got like a, an AI girlfriend. And he is sitting there, and he has this like pokey thing, tool, like a pen, and he's poking it inside of the hole. And he goes, and I don't, I don't even remember what it was, but he like spouts off this stuff. And he's like, blah, 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 blah. And oh my gosh, and her power is unbelievable. I've never seen anything like this. She's going to be able to control the world and destroy every, and he, he's like, all he's doing is looking in a hole and putting a, just like poking around. And he suddenly knows the intricacies of all of the things that this AI can achieve. And I was like, come on, man. Like, you've got to give me, there's so many interesting ideas. Like, what is that? Why is it designed like that versus just because it looks cool? And what is interesting about like AI Jimma Chan, the creator, like Nimrata and like an immaculate baby that has been like there's it's just kind of like it's all skirted over. It's like there's an immaculate birth of this baby that has human DNA kind of or has been coded off of baby DNA or something. And I'm like, let, let's let's go. Let's let's like get it. And then it's oh no, we we got attacked. <laughs> and we gotta like we gotta go kill Alice and Janie. Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just it's, I just kept I wanted so much more for it. So it had me interested and then it failed to look. It's it's too much to introduce to tell a story. Yeah, and I it, think it, the point there really sums it up well. Is yeah, it needed more time. Well, and and the thing is, is I, I I'm just now thinking about the third Jurassic World entry, and I think one of the criticisms we had is that, as much as we did not like Fallen Kingdom, it sets up at least three different plot lines of intro interesting things, and I think we both said pick one, pick one, and let's run with it. That's cool. Underground dinosaur fights and selling off stuff, or 
um, you know, Dino's Among Us, whatever. And what does it do? It introduces us to a fourth unrelated thing with giant bugs that were killing crops. And that's kind of what I felt like in the creator is that you have all these cool concepts, all these things that we get introduced to throughout the movie. And yet we're fixated on Joshua and Alfie. And, and, and that's what I think has happened here is Edwards has put all of his eggs in this basket of two people or two, two characters. And we're meant to sort of pay more attention to him reuniting with his wife and him realizing that Alfie is actually the digital version of his child. And by the end of the movie, it doesn't mean anything here. It doesn't really mean much. So what has happened is he's just carried her to AI people and he died. And now she's going to do something. And, and I don't know that his death didn't feel meaningful. His reuniting with his digital wife didn't feel real because it wasn't. That was that. And too. like, I, but I tell you, I, I loved, I absolutely loved when he gets to the temple, gets to their version of heaven, Gaga or Gugu, whatever the, or the Japanese or I don't remember what it was. That sounds really <laughs> offensive, but it was, it was a word that he couldn't pronounce because she was trying to, Alfie was trying to give it. And it comes to find out it's heaven. So he's going to heaven again, more of this on the no symbolism, but he gets there. And I love the moment that he has with her, with his wife that was saved and he kisses her and he, he unplugs her essentially. And, um, and he has that moment. And to me that felt the most genuine because he had, he had achieved what he wanted to. And if he hadn't reunited with the digital ver or the AI version of her, that moment would have been really powerful, but it sort of got diminished because if you're going to give her to me, if you're going to kind of create a digital version, instead of just giving me three seconds with a mannequin, an AI mannequin of your, of your wife, save her, you know, all of this, let's all be together. It would have been, I would have been more satisfied, honestly, because of the, the way this movie was playing out. I would have been more satisfied if he and his AI wife had escaped and all three of them would have built this brand new kind of world of super, super daughter and her kind of mixed family here, this blended family of real and not to me, that would have, that would have landed the plane of AI can live in harmony with humans, even though, you know, we don't, we didn't think that way at first. And John David Washington's character is what I can tell, he's a guy whose character needed to have his mind and heart changed. And so by giving us the AI version of his wife, he accepted that. It wasn't just a wasn't just programming for him. So I would have liked that. I would have liked to tie the bow up really nice, you know, give us a nice bow and let them all survive. Instead, they're gone and she's now living among her people or among her AI folks with really no purpose apart from just being able to control everything. Yeah, I mean, the only answer is we've got a bigger weapon than you now, so you'll leave us alone. Like, that's where it leaves it off. And I'm like, that's not satisfying. That didn't change the world at all. Nobody's actual heart or mind has been altered in the slightest. Right. The only guy that had a change of heart died because he sacrificed himself. So what did we do here? Like, what? what is... The, <laughs> it, it, nothing. Like, really, nothing changes other than maybe the U.S. doesn't come after them quite as much because they don't have the biggest toy. I mean, it's just, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, it, there was a lot left to be desired, and 
So I guess what you're saying, Patrick, is see, you actually wanted this movie to be three hours uh, because un- you've been against all these long movies, but now here you are saying you wanted a three-hour movie. Maybe there's a director's cut. <laughs> I don't care. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes you just don't get me. <laughs> sometimes you just don't. <laughs> I was kind of open for an hour 45 at this point. I'm like, <laughs> you get to, what can we cut here? What can we cut here? What can we cut here? All right, let's. <laughs> sometimes less is more when it comes to these movies. <laughs> that's That's for sure. All right. Well, folks, that will uh, wrap up this uh, discussion of uh, of the creator. Um, again, as Aaron said, if you've been listening to this, you've probably seen it. But if you haven't, you know, take a shot. Catch it on VOD, I would say. Don't worry about the theater. Um, it's it's visually amazing. And so it's definitely worth watching once just to see what Gareth Edwards can do from a, uh, from a visual standpoint. Uh, other than that, you know. You know, make your own call. If you love AI after this, then you know you do you. That's fine. In the meantime, we'll we'll just continue to move forward with our human human discussions, the human conversations, as we will next week. We're actually going to be tackling the latest John Carney movie. He is back, and he's got original songs, original stories uh, from his movie Flora and Son. It's debuting on. I think it's debuted already for yeah, at the TV Plus. Yes. So we'll be checking that out and talking about it next week. So be sure to tune in and join that with us. Join us with that, or however I do it grammatically. Anyway, that'll do it. Aaron, thanks for another good conversation. We'll talk soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoy the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter, at FeelinFilm, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places and would love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. Be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling filmed.